Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. Leadership can actually be uh, a quiet thing. Like you don't have to be some big personality that wants to be up front all the time. And that it does, like that a personality type and a leadership that reflects your personality type could take a lot of different forms. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Mike Kelsey. And you guys can't see it, but Mike has an incredible shirt on today. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta help the reputation of DC. It's all khakis and Oxford shirts. And uh, so had to spice it up a little bit. Sorry for those of you listening, you can't see it. You don't get the joy. Uh, but uh, I'm excited today. Today's a little bit different, uh, at least since I've been helping to, to guest co-hosts. Uh, typically, when we think about leaders, we think about leaders in the you know, church world or in the business world. And today we get to talk to a leader in the music world. And uh, uh, we're excited to talk with Sandra McCracken, who's a prolific songwriter, uh, modern day hymn writer and record producer. Uh, many of her songs are in regular rotation in Christian worship services. So you've probably uh, sang some of them. And she's written songs for All Sons and Daughters, Keith and Kristen Getty, Ellie Holcomb. ABC's Grey's Anatomy and more. And she's also an author of her new book, Send Out Your Light. Sandra, uh, we really are excited to have you on with us. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. <laughs> well, Sandra, yeah. just as Mike was talking about, you, you know, you've written many songs, but you also just wrote a book called Send Out Your Light. And uh, we'll just love to hear a little bit more about, you know, what led you to, to write that book. And I know you also wrote uh, a song along with it as well. So we'd love to hear about mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I guess the song came first and the book took about maybe three years or so in tumbling around and finally made its way out just recently here. And, um, and I think I would say probably the idea started with uh, the Psalms and I've loved the Psalms for a long time just because they give us such a wide space, give us some language for how we feel and how to process the world around us. And um, one Psalm in particular that the title is pulled from is Psalm 43. And it, it had just been a Psalm that was following me around. <laughs> and, uh, mm -hmm. and I guess it just, it, it kept going in front of me and just kept making, um, pushing its way toward this story. And it, so really the, the send out your light is, is telling my creative process and scripture and song and kind of how, how all of it fits together. Hmm. Love it. Well, if you have not checked it out, you're going to want to check it out because at the time of this recording, uh, it just released uh, <laughs> today. Is it, was it yesterday or today? Yesterday, yeah, that's yep. right. And you had a fun little release party where you got to, to read some of the, the book and then also, you know, share some songs. So we're yeah. excited for you and just, you know, praying that, that God does some awesome things through that book. Thanks, Chandler. Well, uh, you know, as we hop into this, I, we were talking before this, you and I are both in Nashville, Mike's in DC and in Nashville, there are so many people that I know I'm connected with that are in the music industry. They're trying to figure out, Hey, am I going to make it? What's this journey going to look like? And I know for you in, in the music world and, and, you know, as singer songwriter, and many different things, that journey probably looked very different than you expected it to look, or maybe even mm -hmm. they planned for it to look. So we'd love to just jump in and hear about, you know, we normally ask what are the different leadership roles that you've been in over the years, but we'd love to just kind of open it up of what is your journey to, you know, being a singer songwriter look like to lead you to where you are today? 
Mm. There's a lot in that question. And I, I guess I would want to start by just even separating out the difference between success and, you know, like when we kind of chase after something and we want to lead, I think God has made us this way. Like he's given us agency and given us opportunity in whatever place he's put us. But there's this, sometimes we measure success and leadership based on external some formula and we may not even know that we're doing that. And so mm. we'll think, Oh, I'm really, I'm really killing it right now, or I'm really failing. Mm-hmm. And then we have all these responses to our emotion, but sometimes it's not really accurate. And we've set up some kind of a, a you know, just something in our heads. And I, so I guess it's, I love the question in the first place because um, we are each kind of made and sent out to go and do something for the glory of God. Right. And, and lots of things and, and, and different things at different times. So for me as a musician moving to Nashville, I came here to go to college and then I don't know that I thought I was going to do music professionally. It just sort of happened maybe by going in the back door, <laughs> you know, it was like one foot in front of the other. I, I imagine maybe I would teach music or would love to be around it. And oh, when you moved to Nashville, like you went to school for music. Yeah, Is that right? I did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. And I start. I was undecided in the beginning, but ended up okay. studying music and, and yeah. finished with a degree in music. So that was a good path for me. I think it gave me some time to sort of develop my own voice and develop the craft of songwriting. And Nashville is a great place for that. So much, so much talent, so many great people that Mm -hmm. work beside one another, building one another up. So I've loved that. Mm. Nashville is a, I talk to friends who are pastors. I'm a pastor here in DC. Mm. And uh, when I talk to friends about their problems uh, in Nashville with like finding musicians and I'm like, that's not a thing in Nashville. It's not even, it's not even fair. Um, but, uh, it is true. Yeah. Well, you talked about, so your book, Send Out Your Light, you said um, it kind of chronicles a little bit of your creative process. I'm just curious, uh, you've written so many songs that so many people have been singing and a lot of churches sing. Uh, this might be hard for you to answer. All right, I'm just warning you up top. But okay. what is your favorite worship song that you've written (laughs) so not just like favorite in general but like to actually be in a church gathering or something singing that song what is your personal favorite song to sing oh I like the nuance of that question um the right now I would say recently the song steadfast is probably one that Mm -hmm. has been in the front of my mind because I've had the opportunity to sing it in some different groups. We sang it last night at the launch, the book launch party, but because the chorus is one word and it's so simple. And then the, Mm. then the verses are so anchoring for me. They just kind of paint this, they just put right in front of you, like, what are you going to hope in, you know? And they just outline it one line after another from straight from the Psalms. And then the chorus Mm. is just the word steadfast. And I, I think the singability of it is what, um, I'd like, I'd like to write more songs like that, that just have that singability. And I, I wrote that with a couple of friends, Josh and Leslie. And um, I think something happens when, when something is like, it, it makes the song kind of hospitable, right? We can all find yeah. our way into it. And it, and it follows again, like the song follows me around the song, the songs can do that. We can take them wherever we go. You know, I'd love to go back. You, it was, we were jumping into your story, you know, getting into to music. You said you kind of stumbled your way into it. You know, you thought you might teach, how did you get into songwriting? Like, you know, you, you go to, you go to college for music, but then, you know, as, as, as Mike was sharing, you know, many of the songs that 
uh, that you've written, many of us have heard before. How did you mm-hmm. kind of stumble into that? And even how did you realize that was a gifting that you had? Hmm. That was probably before it was a vocation. It was something that I liked to do and that I felt like I could really, um, I felt really alive doing that. So probably middle school and, and I started writing. So I journaled even when I was a little girl and then I would write these little songs in my notebooks and write prayers and stuff. And then around middle school, I remember one time, especially that I, I wrote a song that was around um, like we were transitioning from one from eighth grade into, you know, like our little graduation ceremony. And it was, um, I wrote a song and then had a group of kids. We all sang it. And that was a moment where I felt like, so I was pretty shy as a kid and I didn't really want to be upfront, but song songwriting was a way by which I could contribute and put words mm-hmm. to something that we all shared and then it could become communal. And I don't think I, at the time I knew how significant that was, but I could feel it. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. that's, I really love that. Whatever that whole thing was. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. So I think. Was, was that your first time like having yeah. other people sing your song? Okay. Yes. And I'm sorry, I, that's and crazy. It was like, yeah. It, was, it was, uh, yeah, it was a really thrilling experience. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm still following that same breadcrumb trail. Mm-hmm. That's really neat. That's great. Well, I'm sure that was, uh, he, I can't imagine. I've never, I've never produced anybody, anything that, that somebody else has <laughs> saying or whatever. And I'm sure that's such a, just a deeply satisfying feeling. I'm sure the process of songwriting is also just extremely vulnerable, you know, to write mm-hmm. songs that other people are going to take and use and sing and mm-hmm. all that. Um, uh, so let's, let's, let's kind of keep, uh, here with your, with your story a little bit, uh, as a songwriter. And I really do we, we wanted you to, to have you on a podcast as uh, a guest on a leadership podcast, because I do think songwriting is a form of leadership. Like when you write mm-hmm. songs, um, not just in the way you teach or maybe help other people uh, learn how to write music, but just in the act of writing songs that others are going to mm-hmm. sing. It's a pretty profound and beautiful way of leading uh, people and uh, what what would you say was a, a pivotal moment for you in your career, in your sense of just calling towards songwriting and music? What was a pivotal moment that you look back on that you would say really set the trajectory for kind of where you are today? Hmm. Well, I think like we were just talking about, I think when you pay attention to those places where you feel kind of like something lights up within you, you know, an opportunity mm-hmm. that you're given um, and and I would say even no matter what field you're in, songwriting is the thing where I've I've kind of spent a mu- the mo- majority of my time, but we're all creative. So in different fields, it's like if you're in engineering, if you're great at math, if you like to build things, if you like to organize or make, um, you know, kind of make systems work. There are all these ways that we express the creativity of God. And so if, if for me, it's songs, it, it also, it takes a lot of different forms. And even for me, you know, like when, when I'm with my kids, I have three kids and that's a highly creative work. And there are so many people, you know, that stay home and are caregiver caregivers. And uh, even in places like that, where it doesn't seem as noticed and it's not, um, it's not out front, it's not going to be on the internet, but there's such good, mm-hmm. um, important work happening in behind the scenes. Right. And, um, and I just love that. So I think the, the pivotal moments, I think for me have been certainly around parenting, like having kids. And I think it's been around um, working at a church for a season where you're in every single week for, I, I spent time for about five years leading at a small church here in Nashville. And that was also um, just grew so many new um, 
just, I was paying attention to so many new things. I didn't even know were there, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, one of the, one of the things uh, Mike and I were talking about kind of reading through, through your bio and it was like, uh, Sandra has written songs for other, other people. And I said, I wonder what that feeling is like to, to write something and then hear somebody else, you know, sing it. And it almost becomes Mm -hmm their own. I I have a good buddy who is a songwriter here for a country artist. And I'm just like, that's really cool that you feel like that's your song, but everybody externally knows it is that other person's song. So for you, and I think this is good for, for anybody who creates something and even who cares gets, who gets the credit. Right. Mm -hmm. But for you, I, I, was that like, what's that feeling like? Is it, was it hard to kind of come to terms with, or how do you wrestle with that? Um, I love that. There's, I think when somebody else makes it their own, that's, uh, one of my favorite parts, you know, and I, I think there is the self-expression it, self-expression is part of the creative work. You know, it's like we sort of download from, from God's spirit, something that is meaningful and applies to our world and our work. Um, and then we get to share it. So I think the part that excites me the most is the part where it becomes communal because they're so, and I'm from a big family. I'm the youngest of five kids. We had like a lot of people around all the time. Hmm. So my favorite is really like just that shared experience. And, um, which is a funny balance because I'm also an introspective songwriter. So I'll write by myself and I'll, you know, be in a quiet place, but I really want that hmm. to be something that eventually is, is, um, kind of given away and becomes part of somebody else's story and then they can sing it and, um, and it becomes theirs, which I, I think the, the deeper part of that that's so meaningful is that God's truth and light really are universal. Like they're kind of going, they're not, I don't mean that as like um, a theological statement, but just as like, we understand something, even if our circumstances are different and our experiences mm-hmm. are different, we have a shared human experience because this is God's world. And he's made things in a way that like he can speak to us through these things in the same way. So if a song can do that and kind of be the vehicle to bring us together, it is pretty thrilling. <laughs> Man, have you, uh, have you ever written a song and it has somebody, you know, record it and you were like, I wouldn't have done it that way. We would love to hear that. Harmony is just not working for me. I'm pretty open to different interpretations. I really love hearing the different people, but I will say as a side note, I've been covering, I just did this side project of covers and have been covering like Mm -hmm. artists that I grew up listening to like REM and Neil Young Mm -hmm. and U2. And there's a U2 song called one. And I just like, can't believe how resonant that song is singing Mm -hmm. it this year and this moment. And I've been Mm -hmm. listening to that since high school. So it's fun. It is really, I, I don't know that U2 probably doesn't love my version of it, but I'm really happy to be able to take some liberty and try it because I think we all interpret things different ways. So anyway, Mm. are those, are those covers out already where we can Um, listen to them? The first one, one is out and the other ones are coming out soon. So there'll be some collaboration and yeah, they'll be starting to roll out later this month in October. Sweet. Well, when you're just getting started, you know, whether it was, maybe it was just as a leader or even as a songwriter, what was your biggest mistake getting started that you look back on and you're like, man, that failure was a big one, but it potentially could have set you up for success down the road as well. Um, you know, I think of it more 
It's a great question. I think of it more like conceptually than about a, a particular moment. But I would say one of the biggest challenges for me, like even still, is just that I don't normally know that I'm in charge. If I'm in charge, if I'm put in a position of leadership, I'm so... Um, quick to just kind of give that to somebody else that I'm very uncomfortable being in a role of leadership because I just want to, you know, I, I take instruction. Well, I'm like, let me just be a team player, you know, <laughs> but I think what I've learned about that is that, um, leadership can actually be, uh, a quiet thing. Like you don't have to be some big personality that wants to be up front all the time. And that it does like that a personality type and a leadership that reflects your personality type could take a lot of different forms. So the biggest, I guess, mistake for me early on would be just like giving up my power to somebody else and, and mm. letting somebody with like a bigger voice, um, take over and really just like call the shots when God's given me something to say. And there's sometimes you just need to speak up, even if people disagree. And I still find that really hard to do. I'm so glad you said that. That is such a refreshing word to hear is sometimes leadership is quiet leadership. And it's, and I think oftentimes everybody looks to maybe the loudest in the room or uh, <laughs> the biggest boisterous personality. Yeah. And I love the idea of a quiet leadership. Um, and I think there's some, somebody who might be listening today and go, that's me. I mm -hmm. I've, I felt that I, I somewhat shy away because I don't feel like I hit the, the qualifications maybe of what culture has set up of what a leader is. Mm -hmm. But like you said, like you have things to say, you have a vision for what this is going to look like. So lead, step into that, even though if it's not maybe your personality. So you were saying that and you said, hey, it, it was a, a mistake, but I still am learning how to, to walk out in that. Um, maybe maybe somebody's coming to you and they're saying, hey, I resonate a lot with that. Maybe is there like a, a way that you've kind of seen that play out or a situation that you could share with them to maybe give them some advice on how to take that type of quiet leadership in their life? Hmm. Well, I think about, um, leading. So if I'm, when I was leading regularly at a church and we had a band every week and the band was usually a mix of professionals and non-professionals, I think, um, that was really fun for me, but of course you're going to get like this wide range of ability within that. You've got some people that are just learning an instrument and then some people that are really great at what they do. Um, and so that's where I could, I could imagine is a good example of seeing it play out is my, what I learned over that time of working together with these groups was like to try to figure, to be the person that would sort of shepherd the loud, to bring down the louder voices and to bring up the quieter voices in the, in the group mm. at large. So not just, mm. not really my own voice at all, but mm. if, if, in my, if, if I could fill in the gaps and try to make something beautiful by taking, um, you know, kind of the big personalities and then the meeker um, folks yeah. that are just like timid about trying it and to try to just rate it, just elevate, um, what we could actually do together because it's, it becomes something that you couldn't, not any one of those individuals, myself included could do. So the versions of the songs that we would do, even if it's like a song that everybody knows, like doing, I remember doing 10,000 reasons and didn't know the song super. I mean, I knew it from like hearing it a bunch, but had never really played it and just, there were times that that song would just kind of lift off and it's not even the kind of music that I would turn on very often in the car. Right. <laughs> it's not like the, the go-to for me, but it was, it was beautiful to hear it become something else in a context where we all made it like our own. We made it the song, yeah. our own um, experience of worshiping together. And what does that sound like? 
Well, before we get to the next question, let's take a moment and hear from our sponsor. Let's face it, you didn't become a pastor to be an accountant, and you didn't attend seminary to learn about software. Still, managing money is crucial for any thriving organization, which means if you're doing anything wrong, then you're risking the financial health and vitality of your church. Thankfully, our friends at Belay know this well. Belay, an innovative staffing solution with over 10 years of experience serving churches, has successfully matched thousands of organizations with experienced U.S.-based virtual bookkeepers, virtual assistants, and social media strategists. And they are offering all of our podcast listeners a free download of their resource, Five Ways a Church Bookkeeper Can Transform Your Day, which shares the five most positive changes that will come out of hiring a bookkeeper for your church. So just text LIFEWAY to 55123, that's L-I-F-E-W-A-Y to 55123 for your free download. And if you do so, you will be one step closer to reclaiming precious time every week to do what only you can do. Now, back to the podcast. All right, Sandra, I want to just recruit you for a second to help leaders who are listening. So you got leaders like me and Chandler who are serving in pastoral roles. You have, mm-hmm. honestly, leaders in business too who have to lead creatives. There's a lot of us who may not be in creative roles ourselves, but we have to lead creatives. Uh, so question for you is, what have you learned about leading creatives? Or you can go, you can go either direction. What have you learned about leading creatives? Or what mistakes have you seen <laughs> leaders make? in leading creatives? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, Mm. I would say the biggest challenge, which is not the individuals themselves, but the biggest challenge is just ego. And Mm. well, an ego could have two sides. It's both like we were talking about, like people that just have um, kind of a big voice Mm. and kind of overpower other people in the group. And then there Mm. are other, and then ego can also be like this, um, withdrawing because they feel self-conscious and insecure. So that's actually Mm -hmm. like the flip side of the same coin, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think the way we manage our pride and humility is, um, is the, I think the biggest challenge of working together in groups and as a team. Mm -hmm. And so, um, man, if I, if I knew like an easy fix for that, I would, mm-hmm. <laughs> would be like, yeah, yeah, I could write that book I and it'd be a bestseller. Totally. <laughs> um, but I will say it's like, it, it is, if you can name it in the, in the moment, you know, and you can kind of mm-hmm. address it in the moment and try to, um, and try to separate people like the identity of the person from just the transaction of what you're trying to get out of the situation, mm. out of the exchange. Right. So That's then huge. we don't, you know, it's like, you don't treat each other like something that like, like a transaction. We, we all mm-hmm. of a sudden become people that have mm-hmm. sensitivities and we have ambition. We have things that we're made for and, um, and we have things we're good at. We also have things we need to grow in. And so we kind of all need to rely on one mm. another for those, um, to make, you know, to make the best we can. Yeah. That's so good. I mean, I think a lot of times it's easy to care about what people produce, uh, and not necessarily care about them, you know? Uh, and, uh, so I think that's, that's, that's so huge. Well, in your journey, uh, in leadership, I mean, you were leading in a church setting and you've led in kind of music industry. 
Uh, is there a book you wish somebody had given you or a resource somebody handed you when you were first starting to lead? You know, th- that's a great question. There, um, there were a few, especially in the, in the context of starting a church and like the church planting thing. And one would be, um, hearing the call, which, uh, was Walter Brueggemann. And then another mm. one was, um, and this one is kind of like, this is kind of a, a wild hair one, but, um, Nicholas Wolterstorff has a book called lament for a son. And it's a book mm. about, about loss. But I think one of the biggest things, at least in ministry is like, just to open our, um, like just to open our hearts to, to empathy and compassion. And that book deals with loss in such a way that's, man, it's just so intimate. And I think it re- relates to how God um, really meets us in like the lowest points. And once you're kind of, once all that's like out in the open, I feel like you can really make, sorry, that was my dog. Who's I, <laughs> trying to I know people, people, people listening can't see, but that's a dogs are welcome on the podcast. Dog right here. Who's, I'm, <laughs> that, I'm trying to keep him That is barking. a massive, I wish people could see this right now. A massive dog. <laughs> he's a wine runner. So he's, yeah, he's, he's a gentle giant. Um, but anyway, you just heard him like toss his ears around. So that was that sound. Um, um, yeah. So I think, meanwhile, we're having this like in-depth conversation, but that's the real life, right? You know, it's, it I think it is like things are happening and especially in the last couple of years, people experience a lot of loss, a lot yeah. of displacement, a lot of just like improvisation. Right. And, um, mm. it's a great time to like move in close and, and sit together in moments of the hard questions. And I think mm. whatever comes out on the other side is going to be better for it. I love, uh, we had Andrew Peterson on, man, it's been a while ago. And some of my favorite book recommendations are, cause I mean, you, you kind of get the same leadership book recommendations over and over again. So I love the recommendations from, from outside of that type of realm. So I really appreciate uh, those that you suggested there as a young leader, there's, there's some qualities you look back on. You're like, I wish I would have had some of those. When I was just getting started. What, what would be some of those, you know, two to three qualities that you look back on young Sandra getting started that you're like, that would have been awesome if I had these qualities. Um, yeah, that's a, that is one that makes me think even now, I think there are two, two places of growth for me. One is just, um, has in recent years, one has been just like contemplative prayer, like slowing down and really listening and not just studying something or, I mean, I think there's a time for study and memorizing and, you know, really digging in, but then there, I think they're just, it just becomes really relational at some point. And Mm -hmm. when your prayer life can actually become like a conversation, I think, um, I can both start to hear my own voice a little clearer and I can hear God's voice and how that's different from all the other voices that compete with his. And, um, and I think that's that kind of cultivating that quiet mind is really, um, a huge part for me that when it's not there, it's like, I was talking with a friend recently where if you compare it to like brushing your teeth or making sure you've got, I mean, it's like, it is fundamental to know that we can like stop and pause and hear his voice. And, um, cause there's just a lot of competition, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. And I guess the other part for me is just, Um, and I'm still struggling with this, but like how to prioritize like, um, exercise and like good health, like just really taking care of our bodies. Because if you're, if you're like eating junk food and running on fumes, like you're not going to think clearly, you're not going to be nice to your family. You're not, 
going to be like yeah. any fun to be around. And that's also kind of basic. So anyway, they're both sort of related, but I think those are the two things that have helped me a lot. Hmm. You know, as you mentioned, uh, kind of early on, you're like, man, even as a young kid, I was journaling my, my thoughts down. And I was thinking of when you were talking about slowing down and praying, and this may not be a, a rhythm that you've continued, um, but you definitely write down, uh, in, in songwriting and different things. How is, how is being able to journal and write down your, your kind of what you're processing helped you in your relationship with God? And what advice would you give to, to others to, to not just pray abstractly? And I don't mean that like, and, and what I mean by is not writing down your prayers. How have you found that be to bring you closer to God? Hmm. Um, it could be simple. I mean, if you, if, if you already enjoy journaling, like if somebody's done that off and on for years, that can be a great way to just get things out of your head. But, um, there could be a simple thing where if you just copy little short, short excerpts of scripture and just write it in your own hand and then just like sit with it and see if a word or two will, um, resonate with you and then become part of a conversation. And I have, I just, have a lot of faith that the, um, not always, but that's a funny way to say that, but I, I really believe scripture is alive and it's, and it's working on us and it's working in us. So when we go to it, then it really helps to prompt the conversation in prayer. Does that process, uh, help you capture ideas for songs? Like, do you find yourself going back in your journals, uh, for ideas for songs or does it happen more organically? Yeah, it does. It always has. And, um, sometimes right in the moment, but then sometimes later, I don't always go back and just read what I've written. I think I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like self-conscious about it. It's like, <laughs> which is, which is a funny thing. Cause I just wrote a book and now I'm like, open that. Now everybody else will read it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's really vulnerable because I don't know that I always look backward, but the process of it has been good for me. And mm-hmm. obviously I had to read through the book a lot. Multiple <laughs> so times. Multiple times. <laughs> so I had to, you know, push past some of those bar- barriers for myself. But, um, mm. but yeah, I do think, um, I do think there's a lot of growth there. Mm-hmm. Was, was, uh, was writing, I'm, I mean, other than the length, yeah. but just the process, uh, was it very different writing a book than, than writing a song or was it kind of the same creative muscles that, that you had to use for both? That's, I do think it's the same creative muscles. Um, and I I think that the self doubt around it because it was a new form was, um, Mm. was really kind of looming at times, you know, like I was just like, I don't Mm. know, this is a new thing. I'm not really a writer. You just keep, you just kind of, I kept hearing that old thing in my head, these old names, which is, first of all, that's shocking and encouraging. I mean, you're Sandra McCracken, you've written so many songs, so many successful people sing your songs. And you're saying you still wrestle with self-doubt related yeah. to writing? Yeah. Hmm. My, the team of folks I was working with, they were they were so encouraging around it. And I would say that along the way. And they were like, well, if you ever stop feeling that, let us know because no one else has stopped feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> this is so normal. And, hmm. you know, if you're starting something new, um, you can expect that growth is going to be uncomfortable sometimes. Hmm. And, and then when you get comfortable being uncomfortable, you just like start to see the good stuff happen. Man, there's a lot of truth there. That's so good. Well, we're going to move to the quick hitter questions here. And uh, these are just short one minute answers. And we'll get started with this one. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office, all that good stuff? 
Um, I try to get up before everybody else. So right now everybody's getting up about 6.30, 6.45. So if I can catch like, you know, 30 minutes before anybody's awake, so by six, um, and then the kids get off to school and sometimes I drive part of the carpool and that's, um, and, but on the days when I'm at home, I still get a little extra buffer when everybody leaves. And I just try to like not jump into email first thing. That's a huge help for me. And then um, days are all really different. So my routine is really different. Sometimes it's writing appointments like co-writing. Sometimes it is um, like conversations like this. Sometimes it's performance, which this last year I've had less travel, but there's still just, there, there's still enough of that where every couple of weeks I'll have something I'm preparing for like an event or a performance of some kind. And, um, so that does keep it interesting, but, um, <laughs> but it, you know, and then by the evening, we'd really try to have family dinners at six, six thirty or seven. And then, um, I'm usually wiped out, like ready to sleep by 10, 10 30. I mean, that's the goal. I mean, sometimes yeah. I'll, I will lay there in bed because I can't sleep because there's too much mm. spinning. And I know a lot of people have dealt with sleeplessness this last few years. And I would say that's another one of those things where if you're feeling that you're not alone like that. I, have you guys mm. had any of that? It just feels like there's a lot of, you know, shared anxiety these days. Yeah, no, I've <laughs> definitely heard it from me. a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. People around me in my house, but yeah. I, I don't, I don't have that problem sleeping. You sleep to, right through it. Much to my wife's chagrin. Well, I know these are quick hitter questions, but I got to oh, ask yeah. this question because I do think there's probably other, I know for a fact, there's other parents, moms mm -hmm. listening to this. My wife's a worship leader. Uh, we got three young kids at home in the midst of all of that family life how do you find time to be creative? Mm. I would just, um, my encouragement would be to say that when you think of it, it's all the same, like it's all creative and it's all deeply spiritual. So whether you are sitting down to, you know, teach a child something on pen and paper or whether you are writing a song, it's really coming out of the same place of like, Hey, mm. use your imagination, see it like, uh, point to how God is good, point to what he's made, point to how his truth is going forward. And when that's happening and all these, it, it can happen either with a child in caregiving or it can happen in writing a song. And mm. metaphor is huge. I think being able to tell stories and we are, when we're coming alive to stories, no matter what your vocation, it's just so much more fun. You know, Jesus mm. told us stories. Yeah. And so I think there's some overlap. And when you find those places of overlap, I think it helps me to feel sane, even when I'm in like the weeds of, you know, like, kids are not rational for a lot of years. They're just like, they're just like, wait, why is this taking so long? Why? You know, I feel like they walk behind me. Well, when they were younger, but now I just have one toddler and I, I'm like cleaning the house. I walk behind me and he's literally like taking everything out that I just put back. Not, what are you doing? You know? this is, <laughs> just like, so. Somebody, I know I'm listening right now and I'm like, you see me, you see my life. <laughs> Taylor knows I'm home right now. I'm usually in the office and I'm yeah. terrified that somebody's going to come through that door behind me. Me too. Yeah. This is, this is our new normal. Yeah. Oh, that's um, great. All right. All right. Let's get, let's get back to it. So, all right. What's your favorite personality test? Well, I, I don't know if it's my favorite. I do love strengths finders, but I don't have enough experience with that one. I just love how it has so many different, um, 
just so many different layers of, of personality, but I probably know the most about the Enneagram. Mm. So I guess we could say that's my favorite. What's your Enneagram number? I'm a four. Ah, with a bullet. Ah, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> with a bullet, yeah. What's, uh, do you know your strength finder? Like your top three? Ooh, I have to look it up for you. No, not off the top of my head. But um, I remember that one of the things was ideas. And my husband and I both shared that one in our strength finders. Just like yeah. enjoying coming up with ideas. It's one of our shared loves. That's cool. That's cool. What's an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? unusual habit. Um, you know, I got to say like pouring a good cup of tea where it's just like the right temperature, the right strength and just all the right elements. It's like, a, it's a good, um, something about tea as opposed to coffee. Like if you do like an English cup <laughs> of tea, uh, I know mm. there were some, um, that I think that's been a fun ritual for me. That's funny. I'm, I got my, I just finished my tea before the, the podcast. So switch from coffee to tea in the afternoon. So it's great. Yeah. It's a nice change up. What's your favorite app on your phone? Um, I love the national parks apps. Even if I'm not at the national park, they have like these apps that have all the different maps and the places and it just makes me mm. want to go somewhere. All right. What's, what's your favorite national park? Oh, um, well, there's some I haven't seen, so I don't know if I, I could tell you, but All like, right, what's, what's your favorite like that you've been to was, um, Pleasure. yeah, it was pretty, I would go back there in a second. We, I feel like there wasn't enough time. There's never enough time. There's so many beautiful places, but, hmm. um, yeah, that's a fun, that's a fun. We, uh, we had John Eldridge on a while back and he, <laughs> we were talking about national parks and I asked him, I was like, what's your favorite? And he's like, Grand Tetons and Yellowstone. And, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to go there and like, a month and he sent me this email of oh, just I love it. all of his recommendations <laughs> and i was like this is the coolest thing ever of so. course like the wild at heart guy right oh 100 I mean, yeah that makes so much sense yes Tetons was pretty stunning um we got to go like during when everything was sort of shut down at one point when it was like an in-between window we took my husband and i and our youngest we took um rented a car and just drove like thousands of miles. I mean, it was so great. <laughs> yeah. we got to pop through there and it was, um, yeah, it was pretty breathtaking, especially in that time when everything was so quiet. And, mm. um, anyway, I'm glad we, I'm glad we've had, you know, moments to get outside. I think that's been mm. sanity giving. Yeah, man. Love national parks. What has been the best book that you've read in the past six months? Um, all right. That's a fun one. I'm actually reading one right now. Um, that's called hearing God by Dallas Willard. Mm -hmm. And that kind of relates to some of the things we've been talking about and it, it addresses, I mean, yeah, it's, it's things that I feel like I've been thinking about, but had already been written. And I was like, Oh man, it's just great to hear one section in there. He talks about, um, uh, just like leadership, what makes great leadership. And that it's not like a leadership book, but there are a couple pages that differentiate between like Christ leadership and, and kind of narcissistic leaders. And it's really powerful mm. just to, just to see like, we're given such a beautiful um, template for what that can look like. Mm. What, uh, this is going to be a tough question, but this is one of my favorite. Uh, what's one sentence advice, what one sentence advice would you give somebody going into a leadership position for the first time, or uh, even just starting out as a songwriter? What's, what's some advice you give them in one sentence? I think cultivating, like being a good listener is the biggest mm -hmm. 
asset, you know, is just listening before you speak, before you contribute, um, listening to everybody else and to just try to try to hear what's going on. And sometimes we're so quick to move in and sometimes I'm, I'm too quick to, you know, to speak. It's almost like that old image of that. I mean, not old, but biblical image of Mary and Martha. And you've got these, and both mm. of these women are playing really important roles. There's, I don't think that Martha is less than, but there's the, there's the movement. Like Martha is doing a lot of movement and Mary is just like at Jesus feet. And I think when we can mm. listen to one another, um, then our movement can be really, um, it's not like it's more efficient, but it can just be so much with a wider lens of what's really going on. Mm. That's not one sentence. I'm so sorry. These no, answers are good. Should just like trim all this down. This I is think of all of our, we've never that. had just one sentence. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's great. That's great. I'm conscious I'm giving you two long answers. <laughs> no, that's so good. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing about your leadership journey. And thank you for listening. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. If it has, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review to help other leaders find your podcast. And go check out Sandra's new book, Send Out Your Light. Listen to the song as well. You're going to love it. We'll see you next week.